Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for another episode of Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are thoughts and opinions only and do not necessarily reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks or their sponsors and associates. You are encouraged to do the proper amount of research yourself, depending on the subject matter and your needs. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Today, I want to talk more about near-death experiences. I've always been a skeptic, but for as many people who have died and come back, they have very, very unique stories, but there are some common similarities. Today, I want to introduce you to the number one New York Times bestselling author of To Heaven and Back, which is Dr. Mary Neal. And she's got an incredible story. She's a spine surgeon, and she couldn't breathe for about 15 minutes while upside down in a kayak on a trip to South America. Surprisingly, she survived with no brain injury, yet plenty of injuries to her physical body. However, her near-death experience, her life review, and all the things she saw in the hereafter are incredibly mind-blowing. Dr. Mary Neal, a warm, warm welcome to Shades of the Afterlife, and thank you, thank you, thank you for being our guest today. (laughs) Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. If you don't mind, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your story, and of course, the big question, why you believe in the afterlife. Sure. Well, I think it's funny that you started out the introduction to your show talking about skeptics, because I would certainly have put myself in that category prior to my own experiences. I am an orthopedic spine surgeon, and as such have spent many, many years really being trained to be a skeptic. I am a scientist, and although prior to my uh, experience, I would have said that I believed in God, and I certainly hoped that it was all true, Mm -hmm. that there really was life after death, that there was something more. And I, unlike many physicians, really went through my own medical training and found that my belief that there must be something more strengthened. Many people go through medical school and their training and really subscribe to what I think is really its own religion, which is really this religion of the intellect, Mm -hmm. that science supersedes everything else and every other experience. But for me, I experienced it a little bit differently because I found that as I went through my training, I became more and more convinced that the intricacies of not only the human body, but the interactions of humans, nature, all of the ecosystems was so incredibly finely tuned and intricate that I didn't believe that it could have come about just as a result of mere chance. So before my accident, I would have said that I, I did think there was something more. I certainly hoped there was something more. And I had been around death plenty of times during my training and my practice. But I also have to say that I never really thought about death personally (laughs) in terms of how, what the experience would be like or how it would really happen. And perhaps no one really thinks about it in terms of their own mortality. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I certainly didn't. And I hadn't given it that much thought. Until 1999, and in 1999, my husband and I went to Chile in South America for a kayaking trip, and before you think that I was crazy to begin with, Mm -hmm. I will tell you that we were very experienced kayakers, uh, avid kayakers. We kayaked whitewater across the country, and that was really one of our passions. Wow. And friends of ours run a raft and kayak company, and our professionals. This is what they do. And during the winters, 
they live in Chile and they uh, guide American clients down the rivers. And they've done that for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And we decided to spend a week there kayaking with them, which we did. And we had a terrific time doing it. And at the time, we had four young children. Okay. Uh, my youngest son was uh, barely a year old, but we felt that they were old enough for us to leave the country. And so we did. We went down. We had a great time. And on our final day of kayaking, we had decided to paddle a section of river that's well known for its waterfalls. And these are drops of maybe 15 feet, 15 to 20 feet, something like that, okay. which again, may sound crazy uh, to someone who doesn't kayak, but those drops are not unreasonable for experienced kayakers. It's not something like Niagara Falls. It's, right. You know, it's something that, you know, we're not going over in a barrel. I mean, this is something that you, but you, you know, you train to do. You go over the 15 to 20 feet in the kayak. Right. Cool. And it's something Scary, that, but cool. Exhilarating and challenging, but it's not totally unreasonable. Right. It's been done before. On, yeah. on that final day, my husband actually woke up with back pain, which is something he'd never had before or since. But on that day, he had back pain. And so he actually did not go on the river with me. I went on the river with, again, these friends of ours who are professionals. And then there were a couple of other people. And we went over the first couple of drops and that was fine. We came to the first major drop and had decided to run a smaller chute, smaller part of the river, mm -hmm. a little bit less slow, uh, because it was still early in the day and we were kind of getting going. And this river was such that there was tremendous flow. And once you were in the current, you were committed. It's not like you could turn around and paddle upstream. This right. is a big river. And I went uh, into the current, started for the smaller chute, and a different kayaker had preceded me and had bobbled the entrance a bit, and her boat became lodged sideways across the two rocks at the beginning of this drop. And so her boat was pinned, and she had been able to pull her spray skirt off, that neoprene fabric that stretches from a kayaker's waist to the boat to keep the water out. Okay. She had pulled her spray skirt off and pushed herself out, and she had swam downstream. Okay. But her boat was still there blocking the entrance to this drop. And so I was forced to veer over and go over the main waterfall. Mm -hmm. And as I went over that, <laughs> I could see the bottom and I could see tremendous flow and tremendous turbulence and really couldn't see a clean outflow. And, and I have to say, I, I wasn't psyched. <laughs> I, no. I looked at the bottom and what I assumed would happen was that I would hit the bottom, be flipped upside down, not be able to write myself. And I assumed that I would, again, pull my spray skirt off, push myself out of the boat, be tumbled around a bit before I was spit out downstream. Right. And that is an experience that is never pleasant, but it is something that is part of kayaking. It would not have been the first time that it ever happened to me. And although one always hopes it's the last time, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's just part of kayaking. Right. And so that's what I assumed. But instead, I uh, rocketed down the, the waterfall and the front end of my boat became pinned or stuck in the, the rocks and the underwater features. And so I was still upright in my boat but pinned and the uh, volume of the water immediately and com completely submerged me and the boat. And the force of the water and the weight of the water then pressed my, you know, my chest, the upper part of my body to the front deck of the boat with such a great force that I couldn't move at all. Hmm. And I'm a spine surgeon. Mm -hmm. I am a very calm even-tempered sort of a person. Right. I am involved in high-stress, emergency-type situations. And so I've often been asked, well, gee, didn't you panic? And the answer is no. I mean, I've been underwater before in a kayak, and I'm a very calm person. Okay. And so I immediately set about doing those things that would either free me from the boat or free the boat. And I did everything I could think of. And it became clear very quickly that... 
nothing I was doing was making any difference at all. I couldn't move my arms half of an inch, let alone pull them back enough to pull the, the spray skirt off of my boat. I'm also a very pragmatic person, very concrete thinking kind mm-hmm. of a person, and I knew how far from shore I was. I knew that I was in dire straits. I've seen people die on the river before, and I knew that the likelihood of anyone coming and saving me was slim Slim. at best. And Ah. so I made a decision at that point in time that I believe was the first thing that changed the course of my life. And I asked at that point in time that God's will be done. And I grew up going to church. I mean, I took my own kids to church. I've said the Lord's Prayer, I don't know, hundreds of times, Uh thousands of times. And of course, in that prayer, one asks for God's will to be done. But I think I'm a very typical sort of person. (laughs) And I said that prayer, and I, I, like most people, want God's will to be done as long as it's you know, sort of in line with what well, your, I your will. should be done. <laughs> yes. And, and on my timetable, because I was a very self-confident, self-reliant person, and I had a pretty good handle on my life. Uh, but at that moment in time, I truly asked only that God's will be done, whatever that meant. And the moment I asked that, I was immediately overcome with a very physical sensation of being held and comforted, and reassured that everything was fine, regardless of whether I lived or died. My husband would be fine. My kids would be fine. Everything was fine. And it was that word fine, not happy, wonderful, great, but fine. Fine. It was the first of many profound aspects of this experience because I knew that it was Christ who was holding me. And I knew that not only was it Christ holding me, but that Christ would be holding anyone who asked. It wasn't me. It wasn't that I was some special person. And as I was still underwater, uh, we went through a bit of a a life review. And it wasn't a life review like anything I would have imagined. Mm -hmm. If I had thought about it, I probably would have imagined the Hollywood version. You know, your Uh life flashes across the sky and, you know, you see all the things you did well and all the things that you could have done better. Mary, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'd love to hear more about the life review and what else happened. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like (sighs) being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Men and women can have an excess of 100,000 hairs. Unfortunately, before hair loss is noticed, that number drops nearly in half. But it is by no means too late. Easy to apply Reveal from Dr. Nathan Newman uses stem cell technology and natural ingredients to revitalize the appearance of your hair for the fuller look you remember. Here's Dr. Newman. A lot of people with hair problems have come up to me showing me pictures after two months of use, after three months of use of the Reveal serum on their scalp, showing me dramatic improvement in the quality of their hair, volume of their hair, and one of the people was a woman who had lost her hair and was really thinned out. She was wearing wigs and covering it up. She was very self-conscious about it. She used it for about six months and she came to me with a big smile, nothing covering her hair. And she goes, look, you gave me my life back. And that's really why I do what I do is because I want to change people's lives for the better. And these stories give me the inspiration to go forward and develop new things. Hair loss, hereditary or not, increases with age. In fact, by age 50, roughly half of us have noticeable hair loss. It's time to get on board with Reveal for women and men. And only at HealthyLooking.com can you get Reveal with free smart delivery shipping by simply entering discount code GEORGE at checkout. Easy to use Reveal at HealthyLooking.com or order by phone at 800 800- 604-3129. at 800-604-3129. Gently revitalize your hair's appearance for a fuller look with Reveal from HealthyLooking.com. You're listening to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now let's get back to Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with Dr. Mary Neal, who's explaining to us her near-death experience. Mary, you were just saying that the life review was not like in Hollywood pictures. What was it like? It was uh, profound in that we did look at events in my life that would have otherwise been considered bad or sad or terrible or and all sorts of things like that. And then I was given this incredible privilege of seeing the ripple effects of those events and seeing those the impact that those events had not just three or four or five times removed, but 25, 30, 35 times removed. Wow. And it was profound because it forever changed my understanding of events, how it affects us, how it affects our world or our impression of things, but we never really have the opportunity to see the real outcome Mm -hmm. of an event. And the fact is, there really is beauty that comes out of every single event, whether we as little people can appreciate it or not. And so that was pretty remarkable. And, And I was still my, you know, my cynical and my little thought balloon off to the side was was sort of watching all this, thinking, wow, this is really strange. Mm-hmm. I know that I've been underwater too long to be alive, but I felt more alive than I've ever felt. And here I was having this incredible experience with Christ. And I was going, oh, this is, this is a little strange. And I kept doing self-assessment exams, trying to figure out if I was... I don't know what, hallucinating or something. But I said, no, no, I'm I'm still uh, with it. I could feel the water. I could feel the current working on my body. I could feel oh. my body being sucked out of the boat. I could feel my knees bending back on themselves. And, you know, I'm as I said, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I could feel the bones breaking. And I remember thinking, huh, that sounds, you know, that feels like ligament. That That's not good. Oh, but at the same time, and then, and now did you see... Mary, did you see Jesus or did you just like have this feeling and just, you just knew At it? At that point in time, it was a physical sensation. Okay. I wasn't looking at him. And at that point in time, it was as though you're holding a small baby and you're pouring all of your love into that baby. But in that situation, I was the baby. I was uh, just this receptacle wow. of this 
incredible love, absolute pure love. And then as my body came out of the boat, my spirit separated from my body and I rose up and out of the river and I was immediately greeted by a group of somethings, people, beings, angels. I'm never really quite sure what to call them because those names mean different things to different mm-hmm. people. I like somethings. They, <laughs> yeah, somethings. <laughs> uh, but they were so overjoyed to welcome me and greet me and guide me. And I knew that they were of God. I knew that they were from God. I knew that I'd known them as long as I had existed. And there was a shift in, I'm not sure what the right word is, but time, dimension, something, so that I could be with them and being led by them and at the same time could look back at the river and watch one of the guys pull my body to the uh, shore. And it was really interesting, it's not quite the right word, but at the time I was really struck by a, a couple of things, one of which was surprise that, sure. wow, I guess I really am dead. Uh-huh. And that was that was surprising to me. <laughs> but then I was also struck by this absolute sense of being home, of being where I really belonged, as though I'd been on this long journey to earth and now I was home. Wow. And I was going to be able to sleep in my own bed. Oh, and we all know what that feeling's (laughs) like. We do. Exactly. It was absolutely wonderful. And I was a little bit saddened by the realization that when I looked back at my body, I recognized that that was my body, that it represented me, my life on earth, my family. And I recognized, keeping in mind that I'd been reassured that they would be fine, Mm -hmm. I recognized that I had absolutely no intention of returning. And, you know, I felt a little guilty, not at the time, but a little guilty after that. Right. (laughs) But (laughs) nonetheless, um, I hadn't planned on returning. And, And these spirits then took me down this incredibly beautiful pathway. And, and beauty, of course, is different for each person, but it was a pathway that spoke to me. And and I absolutely believe that God not only sends his most gentle messengers to collect this, but really speaks to us in the way that we will each understand. And for me, that involves color and flowers and aromas, like the aromas of flowers. And and other people don't respond to that, but that's what really moves my my soul. And, And this path was exploding. Uh, with color of an intensity that doesn't exist here on earth, of colors that don't even exist. And it was as though it was the essence of the color. And so I could experience each color all at the same time without, you know, without mixing and making brown. It was the essence of it all. And the flowers and the aromas were incredibly intense. And everything was absolutely imbued with this pure, absolute love of God. I mean, just of a love that, again, we, for whatever reason, are just not able to experience here. Hmm. And they were taking me toward this great sort of domed hall of sorts that I knew was basically the point of no return. And I could hardly wait to get there. And I, I wanted to run as fast as I could. And one of the guys who was doing CPR kept calling me back and then I would have to go back and I'd lie down and take a breath and then I'd rejoin uh, these spirits that were taking me and that cycle went on a number of times and it was interesting later on to talk to this guy and compare stories and realize that we were each equally frustrated with the other for very different reasons but nonetheless uh, I kept going down this pathway and eventually got to this threshold and could see inside and see a lot of other beings, angels uh, running around very busy. But when I was on this threshold, it was a really uh, another very profound time for me because all I had to do was think about something and I had understanding. It was as though I understood everything. I understood how everything worked. I understood everything about the universe. Wow. And one of the things that was really 
profound for me personally was coming to an understanding of how it can be true that God knows each and every one of us and loves each and every one of us as though we're the only ones and has a plan for each and every one of our lives that's one of hope. Because that is something that was always troubling to me. Because as I said, I'm a pragmatic person. Mm -hmm. There are billions of us on the planet. (laughs) You know, we have so much trouble knowing or loving the person down the street that, you know, it doesn't look like us, doesn't do what we like to do, doesn't agree with us. Uh I mean, we have so much trouble with that. How could God really know and love each and every one of us? And so often we don't love ourselves, right? (laughs) Well, exactly. You know what? That's exactly right. I've said many times that, you know, the Bible tells us that nothing can come between us and God's love. Mm -hmm. But I would disagree. We come between it. Oh, we look. You're exactly right. We look in the mirror sometimes. Worthy of that love. Sure. Yeah. But I, and I can't explain how it works, but I can assure you that not only are those promises true, Mm -hmm. but all of the promises are true. So that was great. And I thought, okay, well, you know, let's keep this show on the road. Let's go. (laughs) And then at a certain point, I was told that it wasn't my time, that I had more work to do on earth and that I had to go back to my body. Uh And so I did what I think any reasonable person would do and said, no, I'm, I'm good. I, everything's okay. I'm staying. Yeah, this works I'm not for going me. back. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, obviously, I'm not a very good debater because I did not win that argument. Mm-hmm. I am back. <laughs> so then they took me back down this pathway, and then I was reunited with my body. And at that point, it first of all, I was in an absolute state of shock that I had been, what my kids would say, was kicked out. Uh I mean, I just couldn't believe that I was back on earth. And it was a number of months before I came to grips with that. But I was reunited with my body with a number of very serious injuries. I mean, my legs had multiple broken bones, ripped ligaments. Uh, I developed a severe case of this ARDS or this pulmonary problem. And Keep in mind, I was in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. so it required a whole series of miracles to get me back to Wyoming, which is where I had decided I was going to go for my medical care, even though it's, I mean, when I, even when I look back on it, none of this part of the story makes sense, but there was really no one to tell me that I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. No one along the way, because I was perceived as the kind of the medical expert. Right. So that part is crazy, but I then I ended up being back and in the ICU for a while. And while I was in the intensive care unit, I had a couple more out-of-body experiences, but another experience when I believe I was in heaven, I was in this just beautiful field. And again, it was the same experience in terms of the most intense beauty and color and emotion and pure love. And and I, at that point, you know, it took me a long time to say this out loud to anyone, but uh, I had another conversation with Christ. And, and it took me a long time to talk about it because it was so incredibly personal and it seemed so outrageous at the same time, even though the reality of Christ, we all talk about, oh, yeah, you know, we have a personal relationship, but I don't think many of us really believe it. <laughs> and so when it's true, then you think, oh, wow, this is, I can't tell anyone about this. No, I can certainly understand that. We have to take a little break here. But when we come back, Mary, I'd love to hear more about this conversation with Jesus. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. 
just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, folks, we need your music. Hey, it's producer Tom at Coast to Coast AM, and every first Sunday of the month, we play music from emerging artists just like you. If you're a musician or a singer and have recorded music you'd like to submit, it's very easy. Just go to coasttocoastam.com, click the Emerging Artist banner in the carousel, follow the instructions, and we just might play your music on the air. Go now to coasttocoastam.com to send us your recording. That's coasttocoastam.com. Did you know that tests that could save your life from cancer are now available for little or no cost thanks to the health care law called the Affordable Care Act? Let this be the year you get screening tests that can detect cancer early when it's most treatable. Don't let concerns get in the way. Talk to a doctor or other medical professional to learn more about the best cancer testing options for you. Are you looking for that certain someone who shares your interests in UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and the paranormal? Well, look no further than ParanormalDate.com, the unique site for like-minded people. If you like the senior crowd, try ParanormalDate.com slash seniors to meet like-minded people that are 60 plus. It all depends on what you prefer. ParanormalDate.com is great for everyone. You can also tap into members that are 60 plus at ParanormalDate.com slash seniors. Enjoy your search and have some fun at ParanormalDate.com. You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network with the best shows that explore the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. You can enjoy all shows on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with Dr. Mary Neal. Mary, you were just about to tell us about a conversation you had with Jesus, and where were you? I was in this uh, incredibly beautiful sun-drenched field, and again, it's a beauty that speaks to me. Mm -hmm. And other people who have had near-death experiences describe incredible beauty, albeit different beauty. Mm -hmm. because they appreciate things differently. And at that time, we talked more about some of the work I had to do on Earth, some of which had to do with the future death of my oldest son. And in talking about that, you know, we sort of went back and again talked about what I had been shown when I was still underwater with regard to the beauty that comes out of every event regardless of how we as individuals see it, perceive it, or experience it. So you heard of your son's future death? Is that what you're saying? Yes. And did your son... I was told that before I was sent back to my body. Oh, my. And then during the subsequent out-of-body experience visit to heaven, uh, yes, we talked more about it. Wow. So I knew that that... I didn't know the time and date, but I did know that that was... 
likely in the future. So the first thing I did was ask the nurses what medications I was receiving because, of course, I wanted more of whatever it was. And as it turns out, though, other than antibiotics, uh, I was not receiving any narcotics or hallucinogenics. The fact is I didn't have pain for almost two weeks despite having multiple, multiple injuries. And I had this sense of being neither here nor there. I sort of felt otherworldly. And then after this second out-of-body experience, I was back in the ICU and there were some remarkable things that happened within the ICU. But then at that point, this veil began reforming and I felt more and more like I was physically here on this earth. And then I did have pain. (laughs) And then I had, you know, multiple surgeries and many months of, of rehab. And during those many months afterwards, I obviously spent all day, every day thinking about my experiences and thinking about one of the things I had been told, which was really this mandate to share my experiences with other people. And in doing so, help other people enter into a deeper relationship with God and help them make this transformation from a faith or a hope that the promises of God are true to an absolute trust. And in doing so, entirely changed their lives. That's beautiful. And not having a near-death experience to believe that. That's a huge exactly. gift. Huge. So I spent many months trying to figure out what I thought about it. Because before I could share it with anyone, I had to decide whether I thought it was just a, you know, a dream or hallucination or a chemical reaction of a dying brain. And so I spent many, many months trying to corroborate the details that could be corroborated, listening to the stories of people who had been involved, researching what happens to a dying brain and, and the whole thing. And, yeah. and after many months, my conclusion absolutely was that it was real. I mean, the people who resuscitated me are involved in this sort of thing, not infrequently. This is part of what they do. And they are very clear on the time frame, and they believe that I was without oxygen for 30 minutes. Wow. And within that 30 minutes, there were probably, they think, a total of 15 minutes where, first of all, they, there were five to seven minutes when they didn't know I was missing because... Usually when there's a problem on the river, you're either missing the kayaker or missing the boat, but not both. So it took them a while to figure out that I was missing. And then it took them a while because of the particulars of this river and this waterfall. It took a while to figure out where I must be. And when they finally figured out where the boat and I must be, they started to watch because time is obviously very important when it becomes, mm-hmm. when it comes to deciding whether you're trying to rescue someone or just uh, recover the body. And from that time to the time they began CPR, not completed it, uh, was 15 minutes on the watch. And so I tend to focus on 15 minutes because that's the shortest objective period of time without oxygen. But even at 15 minutes, it's too long. It's too long to hope to survive Uh, without mitigating factors like water temperature or things like that. And more importantly, it's definitely too long to survive without severe brain damage. And although my kids uh, would tend to disagree, um, the fact is, you know, I didn't suffer brain damage. And so in the end, I had to conclude that it was real. deal. And conclusion that not only... I can come to, but I think that any person who puts out the time and effort, because it really does take time and effort to collect the data, to look with an open mind, I believe anyone who actually looks will find evidence of God's presence in their own lives, let alone in other people's lives, and, and in the end will come to the same conclusion, that There are many experiences, not just experiences like mine, but many experiences in their own lives that can only be explained by God's presence. And once you get to a point where you accept that, 
sort of making a conscious decision that, yes, I have seen God's presence in my own life, and I believe that to be true, I think that's a game changer for people. Oh, absolutely. Because it's at that point that you accept all of the promises. And one of those promises is that there is life after death. And if you truly, truly accept that there is life after death, it changes the way you experience every moment of every day. It changes your fear because so many people are so afraid of dying that they never live. Yeah, true. And if you can take that fear away, if you can take that off the table, and if you can say, yes, I know there is life after death, then it changes everything you experience because you don't need to have fear. You don't need to have fear of life Mm -hmm. because life is a journey and truly beauty comes out of every event. It changes the way certainly I experience every event. It changes the way I experienced not only my son's death, which did. That's what I was afraid to ask. Did he, in fact, pass away? He did. He died 10 years later. Wow. And there were reasons for me to think that the plan for his life had changed, but it didn't. And I will tell you that after his death, I loved this boy. I mean, I loved him intensely. I liked him. I would never say that I was happy. Happiness and joy are very, very different. I was as devastated as a parent can be. But even on my most sad day, I would still say with absolute honesty that I was filled with joy because I had an absolute trust that my son's death was part of God's plan for his life, Mm -hmm. that incredibly beautiful things would come out of his life and his death, regardless of whether I, as an individual, was going to have the privilege of seeing those effects. I mean, I actually have had the privilege of seeing many of them, but I had an absolute trust that there would be beautiful things that came of it. And I also know that it's just part of the deal. I mean, I'll see him again. He'll, you know, he's around. If you truly accept that there's life after death, then you realize that Our life here is just this little blink of time. It's really very short. We don't have much time to get our work done. You know, I thought of (laughs) a a, a good book title for your next book, Death is Part of the Deal. (laughs) (laughs) You just said those words and it's like, it is. It is. And, (laughs) um, And we shouldn't be afraid of it. I really, um, I, I find it very interesting because people many times have asked me what my colleagues think, what other physicians think. And, and I say all the time that if you lined up a hundred doctors and asked them if they believe in life after death, probably 97 of them would say, eh, I don't think so. Hmm. But if you lined up a hundred nurses, 99 of them would say, absolutely. Because the nurses are the ones who are at the bedside during stressful situations, they're the ones who are at the bedside during that end of life period. So they are the ones that hear the stories. At some point, if you hear the same story a hundred times or a thousand times, you have to accept that there's some truth. You know, if someone told you that Johnny's Burgers down the street has the best hamburger (laughs) on the planet, you'd sort of go, oh, okay. If a hundred people told you that, you would say, you know what? I'm going to go get one of those. Yeah. Those must be incredible. Oh, you, that's great. a million people told you that, you wouldn't bother even getting a hamburger there because you would know it to be true. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> you gave me just the biggest smile. I mean, near-death experiences are very common. Yeah, yes. Most people don't talk about them, but I personally, I'm just one individual and I have probably listened to at least 400 people tell me their stories. Mm-hmm. And probably... And they're not all extensive. Uh-uh. They're not all dramatic. They're not going to tell people because they think people aren't going to believe them. Uh-huh. Or they told one person and they were shot down. But I cannot tell you how many people have told me their stories. And they're all the same. The, the type of beauty differs. But people talk about this incredible love of God and intense beauty. And 
the change that it made within their spirit. Yeah. Thank you again, Dr. Neal. Really, truly, honestly, you. you just brought a huge amount of delight and joy and hope and faith and trust. And you can find out more about Dr. Mary Neal at drmaryneal.com. To Heaven and Back is her book, and she also has a recent book called Seven Lessons from Heaven, How Dying Taught Me to Live a Joy-Filled Life. We'll be back in just a moment with something special. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. If you feel stressed, suffer from fatigue, moodier than usual, or would like to fall asleep easier and sleep more soundly while losing weight, do we have something for you? Accelerate and Elevate. I take Elevate Performance Supplement in the morning for energy and laser focus for work. Then before bed, I take Accelerate, weight management and sleep combo. And indeed, I now sleep soundly through the night. Plus, I'm losing weight. It's amazing. I've maybe gotten four to five hours of sleep max a night. I'm sleeping between six and seven. I wake up to use the bathroom, but I go right back to sleep, which has never happened before, which is pretty awesome. I noticed a higher level of happiness. I also noticed that I wasn't taking naps. I had more energy. I was more in the moment with my kids. Like we were laughing more. We were more excited. Every single person needs to feel this. I lost 10 pounds and five and a half inches off my waist. And I'm so proud of myself. It gives you energy. It helps you sleep better. It just works. I stand by it 100%. I was on a handful of medications to help me sleep, to help me be happy. Tons of therapy. When I'm ready to go to sleep, I'm getting seven to nine hours of sleep every night. I've lost some pounds, um, inches mainly. My family has me back. Try Accelerate and Elevate. Discounted for listeners to the show. Plus further discounts with the George Power Pack, including a free gift. Learn more and order now at our website, energyfocussleep.com. That's energyfocussleep.com or 800-394-9930. So jump on the path now to all-day energy, better sleep, and weight loss with Accelerate and Elevate. EnergyFocusSleep.com, EnergyFocusSleep.com or 800-394-9930. 
The best afterlife information you can get while you're alive. Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and I'd now like to share with you the story of Anita Morjani, who is the author of one of my favorite afterlife books, Dying to Be Me. I was living and working in Hong Kong, and one day I found a lump on this side of my neck. And when I went to the doctor and they did a biopsy, they discovered that it was lymphoma, which is a form of lymphatic cancer. I was very, very shocked and surprised. So over a period of four years, I developed so much fear of this cancer. And I was following everything. I was researching about it. And I lived my life. I started to live my life just trying to get rid of this cancer that was in my body. But I kept getting worse and weaker and weaker. And at that point, the doctors said that it's too late, even for anything. Your body is already too far gone. You're already dying. You only have about three months to live. I kept wishing that this was a bad dream. My body was not absorbing any nutrition. I weighed 85 pounds. I looked like a skeleton. My lungs were filled with fluid. The tumors now in my body were all over my lymphatic system. They were the size of golf balls. And by February the 1st, 2006, I went into a coma. The nurse gave me a big dose of morphine because I hadn't been able to sleep or anything for many days because of the fluid in my lungs. And I was in so much pain and so much discomfort. And then on February the 2nd, in the morning, I didn't wake up. So it was at that point that the doctors told my family that these were my final hours and that my organs were now shutting down and I was going through the dying process. But what everybody around me didn't know was that I had left my body and I felt amazing. I could see and feel and hear everything that was happening all around me, but I felt light and free and all the pain was gone, and all the fear was gone. Something that I call unconditional love, you know, just, I'd never felt anything like that in my physical life before. And I was aware of my body lying there in that hospital bed, but my body looked so small and helpless and lifeless compared to how I was feeling now. And I wanted my family to know that I'm fine. In fact, I'm better than fine. I feel fantastic. But there was no way for me to communicate with them. I was able to see and hear everything the doctors were doing, like they were taking fluid out of my lungs. And it was very different from having physical eyes. It was more like I had 360 degree peripheral vision. I could be aware of things that were happening behind, on the sides, above, below, everywhere, and beyond the walls. I was seeing and hearing conversations take place beyond the hospital room. And my husband was talking to the doctor outside, about 40 feet away outside the room that I was in, and I was able to see and hear everything. I could even see and be aware that my brother, who was living in a different country, he was living in India at the time, I was able to see that he was rushing to get on a plane to come and reach me because he wanted to get to me before I died. I remember even feeling, gosh, I better not die until he gets here. To me, it felt very, very real. In fact, it felt more real than this physical reality. It was as if my awareness was expanding more and more, like going through different levels, because after a while, I started to leave this physical level And when we leave our physical body, we leave behind everything that's associated with our body, our biology, our voice, our race, our religion. All of that gets left behind. And what crosses over is just pure essence, pure spirit, 
or pure love. We can call it whatever we want. And so I started to encounter the essence or the spirit of other people who were familiar to me, like my dad, who had died 10 years ago. I felt his presence around me. And even though he wasn't in his physical body, I recognized him immediately. It was literally like his energy and my energy just merged. And I was like, oh, dad, it's you. I just knew. And we're not even talking to each other. We don't need to explain who we are. We know what each other is feeling right away without words. My dad and I, when I was growing up, we had a very turbulent relationship because I rebelled against my culture. I come from a culture where women are considered second-class citizens. And so my dad and I clashed a lot, like a lot, and I even ran away from an arranged marriage. So when he passed away, I had always thought that I had let him down, that I had disappointed him as a daughter. But now here he was on the other side with me and all I felt from him was pure, unconditional love. And I felt he understood why I was the way I was. So it was just the most incredible feeling. I then felt that I was surrounded by other beings and I didn't recognize them all from this life, but I did feel that I was just unconditionally loved by them and that they were there to protect me and help me. And I started to understand that I've always been protected, but not just me, we all are, but we don't realize it, we don't know this. And then a lot happened on that side but I reached a point where I felt that I had a choice as to whether to come back into my body or to stay on the other side. No part of me wanted to come back because my body was sick and dying. I was suffering here. My family were suffering, taking care of me. But it was like I entered this state of clarity where I then understood why I had been sick. I understood how it was that so many of the thoughts and the decisions and the choices I had made in my life had led me to that point where I was lying there on that hospital bed. And I realized that I had lived this life of fear instead of a life of passion and joy and love. I had never allowed my soul, my spirit, to express itself and be all that it had come here to be, and that I was more powerful than I had ever known or believed. So in this state of clarity, I received the message that now that you know the truth of who you really are, go back. If you choose to go back into your body, your body will heal. And it was at this point that I felt my dad was telling me, you need to go back. It's not your time yet. And so it was at that point that I made the choice to come back. I started to understand that I had a bigger purpose to fulfill, something much bigger. And I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what it was. But it was like I had the understanding that all I have to do is be myself and live my life fearlessly, and my purpose would unfold before me. And it was at that point that I started to come out of the coma. My family and everybody around me were really shocked, but they were so happy that my eyes were opening up. It was like I had one foot on each side. I kept saying to them, Dad is here. Dad's telling me that it's not my time. I'm going to be fine. And I was just saying this over and over. And they were wondering what's going on. The doctor basically told my family, don't raise your hopes because she's still critical. Sometimes it happens. And then the doctor said, these are the drugs just messing with her mind. She's hallucinating. But then I said to the doctor, aren't you the doctor that um, took the fluid out of my lungs at about 4 a.m. this morning? And that's when he said, but you were in a coma. You couldn't know that. So he got really shocked and started to wonder what's going on. I said to my husband, isn't he the doctor that said, I'm not even going to make it through the night? And my husband said, you couldn't possibly have heard that. He said that to me outside of the room, down the hallway, near the nurse's station. 
And then what started to happen is over the next few days, the tumors just continued to shrink and the doctors just could not understand it. I had to start getting a little bit stronger and start getting out of bed. And within um, three and a half weeks, they could find no trace of the cancer anymore. And within five weeks, they let me go home to live my life cancer-free. And that was 14 and a half years ago. So the medical people's opinions was very, very mixed. One thing that they all agreed on is that I am lucky to be alive. They all agreed that I should have died. Another one of my doctors says that all the things that I experienced, what I say happened on the other side, seeing my dad and everything, he says that was my brain hallucinating. And he says that was the drugs messing with my mind. But that's the other part that the doctors and the medical people could not explain is how was I able to see my, my brother? How did I know he was on a plane flying to see me? And how did I hear the doctors? But my doctor who was treating me actually said that you're not the first person to tell me such a story. And he said he has heard other patients who have experienced crossing over on the other side. And what happened though, is that I was interviewed once by a local newspaper. And then the newspaper journalist said to me, would your doctor be willing to verify everything that happened? And I said, yes, he completely believed me. But when the newspaper interviewed him, he didn't say everything the way he said it to me. And he, he was too embarrassed to speak it publicly. And many years later is when another doctor said to me, that, yeah, if we say these things publicly, we can be ridiculed and we can even lose our license. I encourage you to read or listen to the audiobook Dying to Be Me by Anita Morjani and discover the power of the near-death experience. You can visit shiftanita.com. Find out more about the afterlife. You can join us for a free Sunday gathering with a medium demonstration every week. Get a free read of my book or audiobook at wedontdie.com. I'm Sandra Champlain. Thanks for listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And if you like this episode of Shades of the Afterlife, wait until you hear the next one. Thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.